Welcome to the Church of the Living God, Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. If you have your Bibles tonight, let's go to the, the book of Matthew. We're going to read in chapter 18. We're going to read verses 21 to 35. I've got a lot of scripture tonight. I don't know if you realize it or not, but kind of the whole point of being a preacher is that we use the Bible. <laughs> so I use a lot of Bible for everything I say because he always taught me that if I make a point, I better have scripture behind it. So I've got several points, and that means I've got several scriptures to read, okay? So we're going to read and... Uh, Brandon texted me while we were up here, and he, he said that his calendar just reminded him that today is Yom Kippur, which I don't know if you know what that means, but that is the Hebrew Feast for Atonement, the Day of Atonement. So it's exciting. Tonight we're going to be talking about forgiveness, and uh, in particular how, how forgiveness looks and acts in the life of a believer. I don't know what your experience has been, but I'm sure you have noticed maybe that people in general, even Christian people, can sometimes be quite terrible, can't they? They can sometimes do quite horrible things to us uh, as individuals. People that are supposed to love us don't always love us, do they? Uh, People that are supposed to be there for us are not always there for us. People who are supposed to be with us often leave us, don't they? But we are people who have been forgiven. We have experienced something, haven't we? We have experienced that atonement for ourselves And in that experience, we now have an obligation as believers, as recipients of that forgiveness. We now have an obligation. So we're going to talk about forgiveness tonight in the lives of you and I. Because I believe the Holy Spirit is saying something to us tonight. I believe that He is wanting to tell us as as individuals and as a church that for what is ahead of us, forgiveness is required. Okay? Okay? What is ahead of us requires forgiveness. Now, you can take that a couple different ways. But what I take that to mean, what I feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me, is that for us to move forward, we've got to let go. Amen? For us to move forward, we have to let go. To get into what God has for us as individuals, as families, couples, as a church, whatever, we have to let go and move ahead. And that means to let go of those things that are behind us. So let's read. Uh, Matthew eighteen twenty one. Uh, then came Peter to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Seven times? Till seven times? I fully believe, knowing Peter, that his, his question here was a rhetorical question, that he was actually trying, I think he was trying to score points with Jesus by saying, by offering the idea that, Lord, I should, I should forgive them seven times, right? Have you ever had somebody do that? Maybe your kid come up to you and tell you something they did or ask you a question so that they could answer it and get the praise for it? You know, that kind of thing. That's kind of what Peter was doing. He's saying, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother if he sins against me? Seven times? Because that sounds all holy and pious and righteous, doesn't it? Seven times, which seven times is a lot. We all know people who don't deserve one, much less seven. We probably ourselves don't deserve seven sometimes, do we? But Peter asks this self-righteous question. 
And Jesus says to him in verse 22, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. That's 490 if you did the math. 70 times seven. Now, is Jesus literally putting a limit on forgiveness in a relationship with people? No, he's not. Jesus, on a few occasions, exaggerates. Paul, on a few occasions, exaggerates. When you see exaggeration in the Scripture, you pay attention to that because that is a, is a, a literary tool for emphasis. Emphasis. So if somebody exaggerates, if Jesus says, no, I, not just seven times, 70 times seven times, He's saying to Peter, Peter, you're stopping at seven. I I think it should go well beyond seven. There's so much more to forgiveness than just how many times you can do it. So his, his emphasis is not on the number, but on the fact that as often as someone sins against us, we are obligated to forgive them. Now, I will agree right off the bat that that is way easier said than done. As we've already established, people can be terrible. And there's a variety of folks in here, which means there has been a great diversity of experiences in this room. And some people have experienced truly horrible things. And I don't for a second excuse those things. And I don't think God excuses those things. But what I have found is that every time when I do my worst, God still welcomes me back. Amen? And if if He welcomes me back at my worst, then I've experienced something that I now have to give to others. Something that has to transcend me and now flow through me. I was the recipient. Now I get to be the conduit of that forgiveness. That's hard when people legitimately hurt you. And I'm telling you, you guys know I've been in one church 28 years. Everybody who's hurt me has gone to church with me. I'm supposed to go to heaven with these people. And when I see them in Walmart, sometimes I don't like it. Let's just be real. When we see them at the family reunion, sometimes it's uncomfortable. Why? Because people really hurt people sometimes. It's legitimate. It's not a, a, just a, a, a passive-aggressive thing to say, oh, you should forgive them. No, when we say forgiveness, we're talking about something that is not natural to you and I. Jesus knows it, and that's why he says it. Not just seven times, 70 times, seven times. Then he tells a story. He goes into a parable to make it simple for somebody like Peter or somebody like you and I. He says, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened to a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. So, In layman's terms, there is a king. He's telling a story about a king who has a variety of servants who owe him money. One servant in particular owes him 10,000 talents. Now, I was watching a show on the History Channel, an archaeological show, and they mentioned a talent as being um, a a weight of money. Okay, It's a weight of money. It's not a, a number. It's a weight. 750 pounds. 750 pounds. So the amount of money that this man owed the king was equivalent to millions of dollars today. Okay, So it's not just that he owed him a favor or he owed him his lunch money. Okay, He owed him millions of dollars. So the servant is brought into the king. 
And he, he's told about his debt. And the king says, uh, verse 25, But for as much as he had not to pay, his lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children and all that he had, and payment to be made. Aren't you glad we don't live in those days? There was no bankruptcy back then, right? It was, okay, then we're going to sell you and your wife and your children and all your possessions to pay the debt. That's what we're going to do. And, guys, that happened historically up until the last hundred years. They had debtors' prisons and all that stuff, even in Western society. So it, it's, it's just a good thing that we don't live back then, huh? The servant, verse 26, therefore fell down and worshipped him, worshipped the king, honored the king, saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. He fell down. Obviously, this man was some level of dignity. He had some level of dignity, uh, some level of propriety, because he, he was able to acquire millions of dollars from this king to, to do whatever he did with it, and he did not have it to repay. So this man was not just a, a street urchin, so to speak, right? He was a well-to-do man, and all his dignity went out the window when it was time to pay up. He throws himself down before the king. And he begs him. He worships him and he begs him. He shows honor to the king and he begs him. And he says, sir, be patient with me. I will pay thee all. And the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion. Would you be moved with compassion if somebody owed you a million dollars? Or tens of millions of dollars? Sometimes we're not, we're not so compassionate over a 20, which is actually what we're going to see here in a minute in this, in this story. The, serv- the, the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. He loosed him and forgave him the debt. The debt was legitimate. The debt was legitimate. It was not that the king said, oh, it never happened. It's that the king said, it's okay, you don't have to pay for it. Two different things. Two different things. I think in our modern context, we equate forgiveness with permission or or condoning by saying, oh, if I forgive them, I'm saying it's okay what they did. That's not what happened. The king did not deny the reality of the situation. The king simply applied a new reality to the situation. The king applied his will over top of the existing debt. And his will is what forgave the debt. So, the debt has been forgiven. I don't know that that was what the man was expecting. I don't believe it. I don't believe it was. I believe it was extraordinary. I believe it was over the top. It was kind of ridiculous that the king would offer to forgive it all. But he had compassion. He was was shown honor. He He was begged, and he had compassion. And it moved him at his heart, and he forgave. He forgave the debt. Verse 28. But the servant, the same servant, it says, the same servant, went out. And found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. The equivalent of just a few hundred dollars by comparison to millions. He owed him a few hundred, a hundred pence. And he laid his hands on him 
and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe me. The same man, the man who had just been forgiven millions of dollars, walks out, sees a guy that owes him the lunch money, so to speak, grabs him by the throat and says, pay me now. Could you imagine the gall of somebody who had just been so so benevolently blessed to have been forgiven such a debt? Somebody who was guilty as sin, who legitimately owed the price that was on their head, so to speak, and yet it was wiped away and forgiven only to turn around and find someone who had done far less and grab them by the throat and demand payment. Then his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Have we heard that before? The same, that was the very thing the man said, the very posture that the man took. He humbled himself. He showed honor, and he says, Hey, be patient. I will repay you. And he would not. Verse 30 but went and cast the man into prison till he should pay the debt. The very thing that he was wanting to avoid, he did to the person who owed him far less. Shocking, isn't it? Then his Lord, I'm sorry, so when the fellow, verse 31, when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, he invites him back in, He says to him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desiredst me, because you wanted me to. Shouldn't you also have had compassion on your fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till till he should pay all that was due unto him. Wow. Verse 35, So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you. If you from your hearts forgive not every one his brother, their trespasses. Do I? Don't go too quick. All right. So, the Lord was wroth. He asked the man, why didn't you have compassion? Really what he asked the man was, why did you not extend the same experience that you received to the person who had indebted themselves to you? You had an experience with me. That experience with me should have changed you. If it changed you, then you would not have treated him as you did. Again, there's not a question as to the legitimacy of the debt, whether it was the 100 pence or the 10,000 talents. There's no question. They were both legit. The problem was in how the man processed his experience with the king and then turned around and reciprocated or not to his fellow servant. That was the problem. The man had an experience that should have changed him. The man had an experience that should have rewritten his perception of debt and accountability. And yet, it did not. Yet, he was legitimized in his mind for that amount that was owed to him. All the while oblivious to the fact that he had been so graciously blessed by the king, by his own Lord. And then Jesus says, so shall my Father in heaven 
do also unto you if we don't forgive from our hearts. So we got to talk about forgiveness. This is hard, okay? I really don't intend this to be a heavy sermon. I, I say that now that I'm into it. But I don't intend it to be heavy. What I hope that it will do is I hope to give you a complete picture of forgiveness through the Scripture. I hope to give you an awareness that says, whoa, I've had an experience that has changed me. And if it has changed me, then I must apply it elsewhere so that it may change them, maybe, maybe not. It's not about that. It's about how much it changed you. He did not ask how the other man received it. He asked why the, the, the first servant acted the way that he did. Why did the first servant process all that had happened to him and not show the same compassion to his fellow servant? The man was accountable for himself before God, before the king. So let's look at what the Bible says about forgiveness. Are you with me so far? Okay. All right, there's three words in the New Testament that are used for forgiveness. Matthew 6.12. Matthew 6.12, this is a familiar passage. It's also reiterated in Luke 11.4. We'll read both of them. Uh, This is in the Lord's Prayer. The disciples came to Jesus and they said, teach us to pray. He said, when you pray, say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us this day our daily sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Okay. Um, In this version, he says, forgive us and forgive us our debts, our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Anybody in debt? Don't raise your hand. This is America, we're all in debt to some degree. If you're driving a a car that's less than 10 years old, you're probably in debt. But there there is debt. We're familiar with the concept of debt. But did you know that the Bible equates debt with sin? When you have been sinned against, or when you commit a sin, you incur a debt. When someone sins against you, you have experienced loss. What's a debt? A debt is when someone takes from you and leaves you with less. They walk away with something, but you remain with less. A debt has happened. So forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We have our debts, don't we? We have our debts that God has forgiven us. We have those things that he has legitimately said, had compassion upon and said, you're released. I want you to notice that when the king had compassion, he loosed him and forgave him. He loosed the man and forgave him. Loosed the man from where? From his custody. The, the servant, the wicked servant, was within the custody of the king. But when he had compassion, his compassion enabled him to release the offender and forgive the debt. Lots of us are trying to move forward into what God has for us, and we're dragging somebody with us. We're holding on for everything we've got, legitimately, because they really did hurt you. But God says, come up here, and we say, okay, and then we pick up our thing. All right, let's go. What's great as long as the ground is flat, but if i got to run up and down 100 stairs, this is going to get old quick, isn't it? I'm carrying something that I wasn't meant to carry to the place that I'm called to go to. Therefore, I will not have the same experience 
regardless of my intention or direction toward what God has for me. My experience is forever damaged. But when the king had compassion, he loosed. He loosed the man. God, that's, that's hard. That's really hard. And I'm not saying I've got it. I'm just telling you what the Holy Spirit's telling me. He loosed him and forgave him. So, debt and sin are equal. When you have been sinned against, you have, you have lost something. Legitimately lost something. But God in his goodness, when you sinned against him, forgives our debts. And that experience in itself should change us to the point that we are now willing to say, God, I don't know how or why because I don't want to. But I know that what you've done in me demands that I do something more. What you've done in me demands more of me. And I have to loose it. I have to release them. Luke 11, 4. Jesus said, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Indebted to us. So, sin against equals debt incurred. They take from you and leave you with less. The debt can be released. Now, it does not cancel the reality of the debt. The king never said, oh, well, it's, it's not like you owe me anything. Don't worry about it. It's not ignored. It's not looked over. It is consciously forgiven. The reality of it is that it's there. They did it. The debt has occurred. It has been done. But when we forgive, when we release, and that's what the word in both of these verses in the, in the Greek means. It means, to, um, it means to let go, to forsake, or to lay aside. It's as if God says, this is what you did. That's what you did. But there's nothing between you and I. It's forgiven. Now, it's forgiven. Now, I have that experience. This is what they did to me. This is what it was like when they left me. This is what it was like when they said what they said, when they lied about me, when they did what they did. And God says, what are you going to do with it? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I take the debt and I release it and I set it aside. I set it aside. It's not between he and I anymore. It's not between us anymore. It's been released to God to deal with. I wrote down here that when we release it, it does not cancel the reality of the debt, but it releases it to God to collect against the debtor. I'm sure we've all had some experiences with collections on occasion. When collections calls, they're looking for their money. They have been authorized by someone to get a hold of you, to get from you what is owed to someone else. When we, when we take this thing and we lay it aside, we forgive, we are saying to God, God, you collect on it. You collect on it. I can't collect on it, God. Wouldn't it be nice if we could? Wouldn't it be okay if every now and then we got a little justice in this life, a little bit of vindication? It would be okay, wouldn't it? We would welcome it. The problem is that most often our idea of justice or vindication is usually corrupted and flawed, isn't it? It's usually brutal, isn't it? See, we don't want justice. We want brutality. I do. Am I the only one? There we go. We got some hands up. All right, good. I want brutality. I want them, 
I want them to know what they did, and I want them to know it was not okay. And, you know, there's this little principle in life that oftentimes people don't change until they feel it. You notice that people at work, if they keep doing something wrong, doing it wrong, doing it wrong, they don't change until they get called out, until they feel it. Right? That's what we want. That's what we want. And God, you know what? God does call us out, doesn't he? God does convict us. Aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit is in our life to convict us of our sin? To, to poke at us and poke at us and say, hey, that's not okay. It's not right. You shouldn't do that. You can't do that as a Christian. Thank God for that. At least we have it. But thank God it's him and not us. It's got to be released to him to collect because we cannot collect. So when we are sinned against, we are forgiving. When we forgive a sin, we are releasing a debt. We are releasing a debt. Next thing I want to share with you, Matthew 6, 14 and 15. Jesus says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Trespasses, different word, same concept as debt and sin. What's a trespass? What, does anybody have no trespassing signs on your property along the fence? Absolutely. What does it mean? It means if you cross that line, you might get shot at. It means that at the very least, you're going to get the police called on you or get met with the business end of something uh, no, violent. There we go. I'll go with that term. So that's what trespassing is. Trespassing is when someone is somewhere they ought not be. Trespassing is, some, is when someone is doing something somewhere they should not be. When we have been trespassed against, someone has invaded our space and done something they should not do. It's our space. That, who, who said they could do that? We have been trespassed against. In this verse, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Verse 15, but if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. Well, I didn't trespass. You trespassed against him, against God, because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have all misstepped when it came to the standards that God set for us, right? So if we have misstepped, we ought to be especially grateful that we get to release someone who has misstepped against us because we've benefited from that, haven't we? We've had an experience with the king, haven't we? That experience with the king changes our perspective, or it should. The same thing is reiterated in, in Mark eleven twenty five. Jesus said, when you stand praying, forgive, if you have ought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. And same thing in verse 26. If you don't, he won't. If you don't, he won't. I'm trying to give you a full picture of forgiveness. Forgiveness is the release and, and laying aside of a debt. Forgiveness is Something that evokes a reaction, a response from God. When we move in it, God moves in it. When we do it, He does it. He takes note. He stands up. He participates in that moment. It's possible for us to forgive people when they don't deserve it because God in us has stood up. And God in us has begun to move and bring forgiveness. Likewise, if we don't, then He won't. Luke 6.37 says, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. 
In this, in this verse, it's a different Greek word, and it means to dismiss or to let go. Similar meaning, different word. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, you shall not be condemned. Forgive, dismiss, let go, and you shall be let go. Forgiveness is crucial to your freedom. It's crucial to your freedom. Remember, the king loosed the man from his custody and forgave the debt. It goes hand in hand. You cannot forgive and hang on. You have to loose. You have to loosen when you forgive. Likewise, if you loosen, you have to forgive. So if we forgive, if we dismiss, if we let it go, then our issues will be let go. That's good news. That's good news. My freedom is impacted by my forgiveness, by my willingness to forgive. It directly impacts how, how much room I've got to live in. Think about it. When you're in freedom, you're bound up. Your movement is restricted. Your growth is restricted. Your choices are restricted. Your judgment is restricted. But when you're free, you can go where you want to go and do what you want to do to the extent you want to do it because you're free. Forgiveness brings freedom. It brings freedom. If I let them go, then God will let me go of all my stuff. Everybody who's left, everybody who's hurt, everybody who's lied, if I let go, then it all gets let go out of me. It's easier said than done, but it sounds pretty great. It sounds pretty great because it's a lot easier to let it go. It's a lot better to let it go. It's easier to carry it and to hang on to it and to fight for dear life. It's like when you've you got a little kid and they've got something they shouldn't have. And what do you do? You go to get it and they fight you for it. And sometimes you pick them up while they hang on to whatever it is they're not supposed to have. They're not supposed to have it. They weren't meant to have it. It's not good for them if they do have it. That's the debt, the sin, the trespass. It's not good for us to hold it. It's not good for us to hang on, no matter what, to what someone has done for us. You can, and God will, for some reason, respect your sovereign will to do that. Because he's not like the devil. He's not going to put you in a headlock and make you forgive somebody. The devil is the one that binds up and, and drives and pushes people. God is the one that sets free and loosens and leads. God's the one that says, come with me. Let's go together into your future. But to go where God wants us to go, we've got to let go of the things that we are holding on to. It's crucial to our future that we let go. In Matthew 9, 6, we see a story about a lame man who is brought to Jesus by his friends. He's, he's let down through a hole in the roof that they tore into the house that Jesus was preaching in. And in this exchange, the man is set down before Jesus, and the Pharisees and religious teachers are all there to hear what Jesus is saying. And Jesus goes to minister to the man, and the first thing he does is not heal the man's lameness. The first thing he does is forgive the man's sin because his sin was the bigger issue than his lameness. The sin was the issue. So Jesus forgives the sin first. The Pharisees freak out. Well, who, who's this man? Who does he think he is that he could forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. So then Jesus says, but in verse, nine, in verse 6, 
but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he says to the sick of the palsy, arise, take up your bed and go into your house. The man gets up and walks away. What do we see here? Forgiveness facilitates healing. Forgiveness facilitates healing. But they hurt me so bad. Forgiveness facilitates healing. But I'm not the same. Forgiveness facilitates healing. This man could not walk as every man walked. His sin had to be forgiven first. Then he wasn't able to walk. His healing hung in the balance of his forgiveness. Now, we may not be literally lame, but we've got lame things in our life, don't we? We've all got things that we limp in. We've all got, some of us got things that we're not even limping in. We don't even have legs in those things. Right? So we have to forgive because forgiveness facilitates healing. The same thing in John 5 when the, the, uh, the man at the pool of Bethesda was healed. Same thing. Jesus finds him after. He says, hey, don't sin anymore. Because if you sin more, something worse is going to come. He forgave the man's sin, and it facilitated his healing. Sometimes what you need is not for God to do a supernatural miracle through his divine power. What you need is to let loose and let go of what has been done against you, and then God can do his power in your life. Then God can enable you to walk where he wants you to walk. You can't do that if you're carrying all this stuff. I want to show, show you this real quick. Luke 17, I'm almost done. Is this okay? All right, all right, good. I know it's a lot to chew on. All right, Luke 17, verse 3. He says, take heed to yourselves. Pay attention to yourself. If your brother trespasses against you, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. Does anybody else see the significance of this verse? If your brother trespasses against you, rebuke him. Jesus gives you permission to stand up for yourself. Now, let me clarify. That does not give you license to be hateful or rude or mean, right? He says you can rebuke him. You can rebuke the brother that trespasses against you. You can say, hey, hold up. That's not okay. That's not all right. You can say that. It's not your job to go for blood. It's your job to call them on what they did. If you have the opportunity. If you have the opportunity. We don't always get the opportunity, do we? We don't always. But if we have the opportunity, we can rebuke them. And it's okay. God's cool with that. So long as we do it the right way. Getting on Facebook and telling everybody else is not the right way. Texting everybody is not the right way. Making a scene, not the right way. In fact, in Matthew 18, in the prior verses, verses 15 to 17, which is not in my notes, but Jesus says if if somebody's trespassed against you, go to them yourself. And if they will not hear you, get get another person and go to them again. And if they still will not hear you, go before the church. Man, I kind of wish we did things like that. That would change a whole lot of dynamics if we operated that way. That would stop a lot of this junk going on, wouldn't it? If, oh, man, pastor's going to bring them up on Sunday, and we're going to hash it out. I'm grateful that we don't have to do that. But there are times where it makes you wonder. It would be a little bit of uh, 
negative reinforcement might be a good thing in that situation, wouldn't it? So, forgiveness is mandated when someone repents to you. I'm trying to give you a complete picture of forgiveness. Forgiveness is mandated by Jesus. When someone sins against you and repents to you, that's what he said. You can rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. And then it says in verse 4, and if he trespass against you seven times in a day, and, turn, and seven times in a day turn again to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Wow. If they repent, I'm obligated to forgive. Why? Because when we repent, God obligates himself to forgive. Should he? No. Because you're guilty. Does he? Yes, he does. Why? Got me. Except that that's who he is. He's love, he's good, he's kind, all these things that he is. Yeah, I wouldn't if I were him. You wouldn't if you were him. But that's what he does. That's who he is. So, repentance mandates forgiveness. If someone does you wrong and comes back to you and says they're sorry, you are obligated before God Almighty to forgive them, to release them and forgive the debt. That doesn't seem fair, does it? Huh? Right. It doesn't seem fair, but that's okay because God's not been fair to us, has he? He's been good to us, hasn't he? We've had an experience with the king, and that experience with the king has hopefully changed us. And I'll be honest with you. When I started studying this, I thought I knew about forgiveness. Brandon and I have been texting about it for a week or two, back and forth. And uh, he said the same thing. He's like, I I thought I had a handle on this, but I guess I don't. We We didn't really know what all forgiveness means. And this is not everything that forgiveness means, by the way. I've still got a couple. But a complete picture, mostly complete picture of sin, of forgiveness, tonight says that we've had an experience with our king, and that experience should change us. And if it changes us, then it will facilitate healing. It will loosen us. It will do things in us that are not natural to us. And it will enable us to go where God has us to go. Even Jesus on the cross forgave. Even Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. That was, that, that'll be my last point. Forgiveness outdoes ignorance of offense. They didn't know what they were doing. They didn't have any understanding as to what they were doing to Jesus. And he forgave them anyway. It's hard, guys. I understand what I'm telling you is not something that is easy. And understand that as I say it, it's not something I've mastered, okay? I've not mastered that yet. I think the reason why God wanted me to talk about it is because he's working on me with that. And it's for all of us to say, God, I need to understand forgiveness a little better. It's for all of us to say, God, I've got to let go of some stuff. I've got to so that I can move forward. Let's stand up tonight. Thank you for listening to today's Church of the Living God, Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you were blessed by today's word. If you'd like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG 
or give us a call at 859-745-1865.